0: Amen. Amen. What a great, great promise and a great reminder tonight. Thank you. Turn, if you will, to Matthew chapter 8, and I'm going to do a little bit of what I did this morning. We'll be in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all the same story. And matter of fact, this story bumps up right before the story I preached on this morning. And uh, that was a little bit intentional. It was uh, supposed to be, this was the morning message, and this morning's was supposed to be tonight, so they were kind of in order, but... I switched them around, and I'm not sure why, but that's just how the Lord dealt with my heart. But Matthew chapter 8 tonight, we're going to look there, and great song, thank you so much. And I'm a little uh, taken back, and what a a blessing, what a blessing to, uh, you know, we've been here 12 years, and uh, going on 13 almost, and and, uh, to see young people that were just teenagers when we came, and now... Uh, up here singing and doing things like that. What a blessing. And uh, you know, I, I knew those ladies could sing, but I didn't know Matthew could sing like that. Did you hear some of those low notes? Yeah. Good night. That was incredible. I'm jealous of low notes. I, I just am, but that was, that was fantastic. And, and uh, Matthew's been doing some work in my house, so I'm going to put a plug in for him. He's been putting down some flooring for us, and he is a hard worker, he goes hard at it and gets it done as quick as he can, but does really quality work. I'm really impressed. So if you need help in your home, I'm sure he'd be a blessing to you. He's uh, doing this as a side job, He's a flooring, flooring fella. works at the uh, Canadian gypsum plant with his dad, I believe, and then he also does this on the side. And so it's, he's a hard worker. And so I, I'm always thankful for hard workers. And so if you need help, uh, call Matthew. I don't know if he'll be glad I said that or not. But uh, I've been impressed by what he's done for us, and so uh, if, you, if you need help, give him a call, all right? I think, I think his parents are first in line, though. They're doing some work, so you're going to have to wait till they're done, all right? Turn to Matthew chapter 8 tonight, Matthew chapter 8, and we are going to dip into Mark and Luke just a little bit. I'll probably just reference it more than anything. I told you this morning, and in case you were in junior church or something... I, uh, I've been studying the book of Mark, but in a kind of a different way. As I read the stories in the book of Mark, whether it's a, a miracle or a parable or something, I'm going to Matthew and Luke and reading the same stories and trying to study all three at the same time. And, and, and little tidbits that you get from one that you don't get from another. Details that one of the apostles might have noticed that another did not. Uh, something that the Holy Spirit was speaking through a, a one of the writers that was for a particular audience, That maybe wasn't for the other audience that maybe Matthew or Mark were addressing, that Luke was addressing. And so you kind of get a different perspective on the very same thing. And uh, nothing is out of harmony, it all works together. God's word is perfect. Amen. A couple believe that. I believe God's word is perfect. And uh, so we're going we're gonna to look tonight, Matthew chapter 8, and tonight we're going to look at the story of the healing of the leper. Now, I, I, I'm a little bit flippant in my language sometimes, and I don't mean to be. When I say the story of the Bible or the story of the leper, I don't mean for a moment. It's like a fairy tale. I believe 100% that it is a story told of God, Amen. that it is inspired by God's Holy Spirit, and it's reliable and true. And so tonight, as we look at the, 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 uh, the message or the story of this leper, I want you to know I believe it's 100% true. There's four verses that we'll read together in Matthew chapter 8, and the Bible says, when he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will. Be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus saith unto him, See thou tell no man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Matthew chapter 8 gives us only four verses of this great miracle that takes place. And if we were to look in the book of Mark, which we will in a few moments, we'll find there's six verses. And in the book of Luke, only five verses, but each tell a little bit more of the story. Let's have a word of prayer tonight. Father, help us as we consider the healing of the leper tonight, and, and, and Lord, as we look at other passages of Scripture, how uh, the message just opens up before our eyes. And Lord, we see a very real challenge, something that should provoke our hearts to, to reach out to the lost and to be a, a help in, in, in spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. So Father, I pray that the Spirit of God would help us tonight speak to our hearts. I surrender to you, Lord. I desperately need your help. And so, Lord, I pray that you would do a work in us. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. The reason I chose to start in Matthew chapter 8 is because I like what it says in verse 2. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says he had been apart in a desert place, and he was come down from the mountain, and great multitudes followed him. And the Bible says in verse 2, And behold, there came a leper, and look what it says, and worshipped him. Saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. I want you to take for a moment and consider this, this man and his worship. The man's worship. Now, we consider a leper. You would say there's not a lot going for him. I remember a couple of years ago, there was a missionary to Germany, and, I, and his name escapes me at the moment, but it was kind of a, a, a big news within the, the Baptist churches, and we were praying for this fella. and I believe he was down in Texas, and, and he was taken with COVID very bad. He was put on life support, and they thought he was going to die. They just said, he's not going to recover from this. His lungs are failing. He's only being kept alive by a machine, and some of his church members went in, his pastor and his wife, and the assistant pastor, and his children and they they began to sing hymns, and in his bed, the man began to raise his hands. He couldn't sing, he couldn't shout praise the Lord, he couldn't say amen, and if you get upset about people raising their hands, consider this man, that's all he could do. But he raised his hands and praised his God. A man they thought was non-responsive. Somebody they thought that had no brain activity left and was laying in his deathbed, raised his hands in praise, and you say, what is he doing? Well, today he's back preaching the gospel, and we give thanks and praise for that, Uh, but I I think about laying in that hospital bed so sick and so burdened, and yet his heart was to worship the Lord. That's what we think about with this leper. To think of what did he have to be thankful for? I want you to notice that in the book of Luke, and we won't turn there just yet, but in the, Luke of, the book of Luke, it says this about the man, he was full of leprosy. This was not a new diagnosis. This wasn't a man who just woke up a couple days earlier and noticed a, a white spot upon his hand. It wasn't that he was noticing that there was some unusual activity going on in a sore the Bible says he was full of leprosy. I believe that it. it was now consuming his body. His body was racked with pain and even parts of his body were beginning to wear off as the nerves at the ends of his fingers and his toes had now died. And this suffering that he had taken place for so long, not only does suffering take place, when you're full of leprosy, it's not just about the pain, it's about the separation. He'd been apart from his family and his loved ones. He'd didn't know what it was like to hug his children anymore. He hadn't been uh, able to even shake somebody's hand. As a matter of fact, if he was to walk through town to look for help, he had to yell, unclean! He was a pariah. Marked by society and an outcast. And yet, he worshipped the Lord. The book of Luke also says it this way. He fell on his face. He fell on his face. What an incredible heart, and what a rebuke against us! Sometimes, sometimes we we like to criticize. I I I uh, you know we criticize people. Who get a little excited in worship. Be careful! Now we're we're Baptist. We think we're Presbyterian. Sometimes. I looked. I nearly I nearly had to shout in faith. and If I wasn't in a Baptist church, I'd run up and down the aisles. I looked over here this tonight when we were singing that last verse of the oh, Lord, my rock, and my redeemer in faith who just got saved this morning was raising her hands. Amen. I just about had a I said, We've got to sing that verse again. Amen. Somebody's getting blessed. And We criticize people who worship, but this leper was not ashamed. He ran to the Lord Jesus Christ and he bowed on his face before him. And I want you to notice that this man's worship revealed some things. First of all, it, it revealed a recognition of his healing power. He was recognizing that Jesus had the ability to heal him. And notice what it says in the, in the passage and behold, there came a leper and worshiped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. I know who you are, I know your ability. You have the power to make me clean. You are the great physician. You are God in the flesh. And he recognized who he was. The Bible says this about that kind of faith. Without faith it is impossible to please him. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. This man found his reward because he diligently sought after the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm sure there were people that began to scatter as he made his way through the crowd. And as he began to fall and approach the Lord Jesus Christ, maybe warning cries rang out and said, Lord, look out for this man's a leper. But he fell at the feet of Jesus. And the Lord, fearing nothing, healed him of his dreaded disease. It was a recognition of his healing power. We worship God with the purpose of drawing nigh to him and knowing his presence in our lives. But I want you to notice it was also a realization of his holy purpose. A realization of his holy purpose. The leper understood that Jesus came to save sinners. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. But he also understood that he came to fulfill the prophecy of the Messiah. In Luke chapter 4, we read shortly after the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ, he was driven into the wilderness to be tempted of Satan for 40 days. He was hungered. And Satan came to him and tempted him over and over again. And the Bible says that after being led by the Holy Spirit, he was now filled with the Holy Spirit, and he returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit. See what happens when we endure temptation by the power of God? And as the Lord Jesus Christ returned into Galilee, he entered into a synagogue and they handed him a scroll to read and it was from Isaiah. And he read this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. He read the passage about the prophecy of the Messiah and then he folded up that scroll and as every eye was affixed upon him, he said, today, this prophecy is fulfilled in your ears. I believe this man understood the holy purpose of God. If he was the healer, he must be the Messiah and he's come to seek and to save me. Lord, if thou wilt, you can cleanse me. You can cleanse me. It's more than just leprosy. It's about the saving of a soul. But not only do we see the man's worship, we see the master's willingness. Look at verse 3, Matthew chapter 8, verse 3. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I like this, just simply, I will. No problem. Easy. I will. Be thou clean. It is not necessarily the master's will to heal every disease or to fix every situation. Do we understand that? We get that. Sometimes we suffer and we pray and we believe that God is going to do something and then when somebody passes away, say, well, I guess it wasn't the Lord's will. Maybe it never was. We have to understand that sometimes trials and suffering bring us closer to Jesus. I wonder if this man had never had leprosy, would he have ever come to Jesus? Think about that. This morning we talked about another that was, was hurting and ailing and, and we find that, that it drove them to Jesus Christ. And friend, I think there's trials and tribulations that come into our lives that over and over. But in this case, we find that the Lord was willing. But let me say this, whether or not the Lord was willing to, to heal the man of leprosy, He is always willing to work in your life. Always willing. Because He is not willing that any should perish that all should come to repentance. He is not willing to see people go to hell. And God came and sent his son to die on the cross just so that we might have eternal life. And so he's always wanting to work. He's always showing grace. He's always showing mercy. All we have to do is cry out to him. And this man cried out, and the Lord said, I will. Everything is in God's sovereign hand, and how he chooses to deal with it is determined by several things. Think about this with me. Is he using the trial to draw you closer? Paul admitted that he prayed for a thorn in his flesh, removed three different times, and finally realized the reason he had is because God could prove to him his grace was sufficient. What are you learning from the trial? Is it drawing you closer to God? Is God putting or allowing these things in your life to bring you closer to him? Is he using the trial to strengthen your testimony? I remember years ago, the first time that we had a funeral at Ambassador Baptist Church back in those days, and it was a fellow by the name of Lawson Crow. And Lawson had come to church, I guess, for years before we ever got there. And, and uh, when I first met him, I, I thought, yeah, he's kind of a gruff guy. He's kind of rough around the edges a little bit. He was faithful to church, and, and, uh, but he just kind of intimidated me a little bit. I didn't know how to talk to him, and I didn't know how to relate to him. But when he got cancer... He became one of the sweetest Christians I ever met. Isn't that something? How the Lord used that to draw him closer to him. I remember visiting with him one time and he said, said, I'm praying that through this cancer my children will be saved. I remember that he worked for Queenston Chev Olds and he, uh, he was kind of a re- retired at that point and he drove a, a shuttle car so if your car broke down and you had to take it in, he would drive you home and he'd come and pick you up later and take you back to get your car. And, and we had a, a, a Chevy truck at the time and the truck had a, a, a problem with the heating system and smoke started coming out of there and so we had it taken over there. It was under warranty and we took it over to Queenston Chev Olds and I got to ride back with Lawson. We began to talk a little bit and got to know him a little bit more. And then we went back. He picked me up and he took me back. And I sat in the waiting room for a little while. And they were just getting some things finished up on the truck and getting the bill ready and all the rest. And I, I said to the lady, I, I talked to the lady, I said, How is Lawson doing? And she says, You know, Lawson is one of the sweetest men I have ever met. And I thought, What a testimony. To think that in this cancer, and by the way, it took him home. It was terminal and he didn't last much longer after that. But the people that he worked with said he is the sweetest man I've ever met. That's what trials sometimes do. They bring us to the foot of the cross and they draw us closer to Jesus and make us shine more like him. So is the trial being used to strengthen your testimony? Is it about showing his grace to you that others may see it? Think about that. Is he using the trial to bring himself glory? And I could go on listening thing after thing after thing, but I want you to notice the master was willing to work in his life because it suited his ministry and mission at that moment. Listen, number one, it was a matter of compassion. Turn, if you will, to Mark chapter 1, and we'll look at the same story right at the end of the chapter. We started in Mark chapter 2 this morning, but look at Mark chapter 1, the last couple verses. Why did the Lord work? It was a matter of compassion. Mark chapter 1, verse 41, it says, And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him, and saith unto him, I will. Be thou clean. I think the Lord moved with compassion, but not only was he moved with compassion, he demonstrated his compassion by putting out his hand to a leper. A man who had no physical contact, a man who was forbidden to be around people or to to know the embrace of a family member, but the Lord Jesus Christ reached out his hand. And not only did he have compassion in his heart, but he displayed compassion. And and boy, we can learn a lot from that to a, a world that is in need of a Savior. They're looking to us. Will we show compassion? Not just say we have it, but will we demonstrate it in our daily lives? There's ample evidence in the Bible that everything that God does towards his children is with compassion. The Bible says he wept with Mary at the tomb of Lazarus. The Bible says he had compassion on the widow whose son had died in Luke 7.13. The Lord was just walking into a town and there comes a casket out and he saw the widow lady and the Bible says he had compassion on her. And he raised her son from death. Amen. Matter of fact, if you look in the Bible, you'll find that Jesus ruined every funeral he went to. He messed it up because he always rose him, raised him back up to life. In Matthew chapter 8, he had compassion on a hungry multitude. The Bible says he was moved with compassion toward the multitude, and he said to the disciples, give ye them to eat. And then he turned the fish and the loaves into enough to feed 5,000. Do you know that when the Lord chastens you, he does so with compassion? Everything he does, he does with compassion. The Bible says, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. So that you know that you're his sons. Everything he does is with compassion. But not only was it a matter of compassion, it was a miracle of cleansing. Look at Mark chapter 1 and verse 42. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed. It's interesting, if we read on a little bit, the Bible says in verse 43, And he straightly charged him, and, and forthwith sent him away, and saith unto him, See thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ was often criticized for not keeping the law. But here he is following Leviticus chapter 14. The Bible says in Leviticus chapter 14 that a man who was cured of leprosy was to go to the high priest. And the priest, only the priest, could declare him clean. So the Lord Jesus Christ said, I want you to go and I want you to show yourself to the priest. But here's what he also said: but offer for the cleansing which I have done. I want you to just go. It was already afforded, Jesus already knew he was healed. It was a foregone conclusion. Yes, you're going to go to the priest and you're going to fulfill the law and the prophets. But here's what I want you to also do. Go ready to offer. You have been cleansed. You've been set free of this disease. And so the Lord Jesus Christ shows once again his healing power to this man. But he wanted him to know that you are clean. But I want you to see the third thing. And here's really what we want to focus on for a few moments tonight. The multitude's wonder. We've talked about the man's worship and the master's willingness, but I want you to see the multitudes wonder. Turn, if you will, to Luke chapter 5. This is the other passage that gives us something else. Hold your finger and mark. We'll come back there in a moment. Luke chapter 5. And there's this one phrase I want to grab out of here that I really liked. Verse 14, the Bible says, And he charged him to tell no man, but go and show thyself to the priests and offer for thy cleansing according as Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. But so much the more went there a fame abroad of him. And great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. I like that little phrase, his fame abroad. His fame abroad. I really wish with all my heart that all of Canada could say There's a, the Lord Jesus Christ is real. Yeah. That he is mighty and that he is powerful. I don't care if they ever hear about Al Fury or Bethel Baptist Church but I would sure like to know that we can make Jesus famous. That if something could start in this place, if a revival could take part uh, in, in our hearts and lives, if, if God could begin to change some people and, and revival begin to spread across our nation, I don't care if they ever know what the epicenter of it is or where it began, but if they can know that Jesus is almighty God, that's what we need. And his fame was spread abroad. I want to think about that for a moment. The secret Jesus of ministry was now over. We are literally in Mark chapter 1, and now multitudes are coming from far and wide. His year of popularity is about to take over, and and, and he's going to be thronged by the masses. He's going to steal away to places to be alone and pray and talk to his Father. He's going to grab every spare moment he can to recharge himself for the ministry that God has given him. But in the meantime, multitude after multitude of people are coming to find the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, flip back to Mark chapter 1. And here's my question tonight. I want to know why. How can we capture that spirit of revival? How can we see Jesus made famous? I I would say tonight that the Lord Jesus Christ is infamous in our country, they use his name like a cuss word. There's utter disdain for the name of Christ. There's a hatred for Christ. I want to know what makes him famous. So look at Mark chapter 1, verse 43. And he straightly charged him and forthwith sent him away. And saith unto him, See thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. But... He went out and began to publish it much, and to blaze abroad the matter, insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in desert places, and they came to him from every quarter. Why was his fame spread abroad? Number one, because it was published. Pretty simple stuff, isn't it? He talked about it. He talked about it. We can examine, if you want tonight, we can take the time and examine what this former leper was supposed to do, or we can look at the result of what he actually did do. There's no way around it he was forbidden to tell anybody, and he disobeyed the Lord. I mean, there's no way around that. The Lord said, go and tell no one, and he went and published it and blazed it abroad. He told everybody. And I'm not sure why the Lord told him not to tell anybody. I don't know, maybe, maybe it just wasn't his time. It was like his mother at the wedding of Canaan. Woman, my time has not yet come. This was just speeding up the timetable. This wasn't what the perfect will was just yet. But the man went anyway. The Bible says, but he went and he published the matter and blazed it abroad. And as a result, his fame was spread. And multitudes came from every quarter, so much so that the Lord Jesus Christ couldn't be in the cities anymore. He had to be in the wilderness to accommodate the crowds. Can you imagine if that happened in Canada? Amen. Now think about this. It was just one man. Boy, we, t- we talk about the Apostle Paul and we talk about Peter on the day of Pentecost. I want to know what this evangelist, how many souls he reached for Christ Yes, he was disobedient. I I sometimes wonder if it's one of those things where he disobeyed the Lord and though the Lord chastened him a little bit in his heart, he smiled and said, boy, he sure loves me. (laughs) He's so grateful that I saved him and I pulled him out of this leprosy. And he went and told the world. He published it among many. But notice the results of telling everybody, even though... He disobeyed. The Bible says they came to him from every quarter. Why? Look at the second thing. Because it was provoked. It wasn't just published. It was provoked. The Bible could have just stopped and said he published it much. But it also said, and to blaze abroad the matter. How many of you get the idea that the word blaze, man, he said it with much passion? I, I mean, I, I, have to, I have to think that the fellows back in 1611, as they were translating from the, the Greek into the King James Bible, they, had, they, they were sitting there scratching their head looking at this Greek word saying, what does this mean? It, it doesn't mean just to talk about it. It doesn't mean just to, to share the gospel. It doesn't mean just tell your neighbor. It doesn't, doesn't mean that, that they're going to whisper it secretly one to another. What word can we use that best captures this Greek phrase of what this man does? And somebody said, I know what it is. He blazed it abroad. Fire swept across the nation. Multitudes of people came to Christ. All because of one evangelist who was so grateful and thankful for what Jesus did that he couldn't help but tell. You know, there was another in the Bible that was forbidden to speak in the name of Jesus. And he said, whether it be right or not, I cannot tell, but all I can say is what he has done for me. That's all I can say. I was once blind, but now I can see. Can I ask you tonight, what has the Lord Jesus Christ done for you? He might not have saved you from leprosy, but he saved you from burning hellfire. He saved you from your sins. And but for the grace of God, if you continued in your sins, who knows where you'd be tonight? Drunk in a ditch? Strung out on drugs? Maybe in prison somewhere? Paying the price for your crimes? The Lord has saved you. Here's the convicting thought that as I was reading this, this man reached more people in his disobedience than I do in my obedience. That hurts. The man who disobeyed God reached thousands for Christ. And here we are trying to obey the Lord, and how many have we told? This man understood something, he just simply made Christ famous. John the Baptist put it this way He must increase, but I must decrease. He must increase, but I must decrease. Several years ago, Pastor Thiessen made that the theme of their church for a year. He must increase, but I must decrease. If we we leave here with nothing else tonight, let's, let's just dwell on that thought. Let's make much of Jesus. Let's speak Jesus. Let's have a testimony for Christ. Let's make it all about Him. Let's make him increase. Let's make little of ourselves. We have no such restrictions like this man. This man was told to go and tell nobody. We're, We're told to go and tell everybody. Preach the gospel to every creature. That's the commission. That's the job. What are we doing to fulfill it? Let's bow tonight. Father, speak to our hearts. Lord, help us to have a message like this man that not only do we publish it, but that we blaze it abroad. That we set Canada on fire with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh God, move in our hearts and speak to us. Convict us, Lord, of a lack of evangelistic fervor. Help us to do better in telling others about Jesus. Lord, the passage convicted me I pray you to convict others as well. Help us, we pray. The Lord, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Let's stand to our feet tonight with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And the piano's gonna play. If God has spoke to your heart, would you come and pray? Why don't you just pray for a soul tonight? Pray for one that you know needs the gospel and maybe you can come and just lay them out before the Lord. Now we might go with a passion and blaze the matter abroad. I like that phrase.